0: Thank you Scott and so welcome today we're going to look um, at the next part of our series of growing up we're going to look at what it looks like to mature as Christians and today we're going to look at self-denial and we're going to do that by looking at a scripture from the book of Matthew it's actually in all three gospels well not all three gospels all four gospels but it's in all three gospels that it's in is Matthew, Mark and Luke and we're going to look today at the gospel of Matthew chapter 16 verse 21 to 27. Jesus turned and said to Peter, "'Get behind me, Satan. "'You're a stumbling block to me. "'You do not have in mind the concerns of God, "'but merely human concerns.' "'Then Jesus said to his disciples, "'Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves "'to take up their cross and to follow me. "'Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, "'but whoever loses their life for me will find it. "'What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world "'yet forfeit their soul?' Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with all of his angels and he will reward each person according according to what they have done. Um, when I was just a little girl, aged maybe nine or ten, my parents enrolled me and my two sisters in a splash class. Now, if you know what a splash class is, it's where you learn to swim. It was an intensive course, and it was a week-long course in one of the holidays. And so we, we got ready, we got swimming costumes, we went there, we got changed, and we turned up um, ready to learn to swim. And I went into the, the pool and panic panic hit me. It came over me. I did not want to follow the instructions. The instructor was trying to get us to follow him to the centre of the pool and to grab these floats and I was hanging on to the side of the pool. I did not want to be following him and it didn't change much. That happened for a whole week apart from I graduated from not just hanging to the side but being able to sit on what I remember as being a dinghy but my sister remembers it as being a massive float that the instructor put there. And I just sat at that. I could not deny myself the comfort and the self-preservation of, of what it felt comfortable to me to follow the instructor and to follow what he was asking me to do. And I couldn't do both. I couldn't hang on to the side or sit on this float and follow him and his instructions. In verse 24 in that scripture we've just read, Jesus says to his disciples that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves to take up their cross and to follow me. So what does it mean to deny ourselves? That same um, word, deny, that's that's, um, kind of translated for us here as deny, we see the same word being used later on in the story. Jesus foretelling here what's going to happen. But later on when Jesus is arrested and he is being tortured, his um, close companion Peter, who's also here, um, is recognizing the crowd. And people say to him, you're one of his followers. And Jesus, um, well, we're told that Peter denies Jesus, that Peter disowns him. He turns his back on him and he separates himself from Jesus in a way of preserving his own life. And in that same way, we can see that that is what denying ourselves means. It means to disown our selfish ambitions. It means to turn our back on our own selfish ways and to distance ourselves from those things. Now, in our culture, we are not often um, asked to give our lives for following the gospel. But there are ways in which we can follow Jesus. Our, um, Jesus didn't just tell us to do this. Just, Jesus didn't just tell us and introduce the idea of denying ourselves. But we see from his life, and it was an example of um, following his father's way and putting not his will first, but God's will first. His whole life, we've just celebrated Easter, haven't we? Where we look at the story of this is what Jesus was foretelling. But in Easter, it comes to pass when Jesus, sinless and blameless, took our sin on him and died on the cross and was raised again. And we celebrate that. And we can see from the life of Jesus exactly what it means to deny ourselves. And as I said, in our culture, it's often not that we're giving our life for following him. But there's many ways in which we can deny ourselves, turn our back on our own selfish ambitions and our own selfish ways. And in the book um, of Philippians, Paul writes to the people of Philippi saying, doing nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And in Romans 15, Paul writes to the people of Rome, we ought not to please ourselves, but to look to those around us, please them, building them up. And what he's talking about there is um, don't just do what is our right to do, but look actually the effect that it's going to have on others. Don't put ourselves first, but put others first. And again, in the letter to Corinthians, he says this, he says, nobody should seek his own good, but instead seek the good of others these are all examples of how we can deny ourselves. I don't know what that means to you in your life. It could be on a Friday night when we normally get takeaway that we choose to forgo it for one week and give a takeaway to somebody else that we know maybe can't afford it or somebody who just needs a blessing. Or it could be using that money that we would normally spend on a takeaway to buy a bunch of flowers for our neighbour who's just lost a loved one. It could be when it comes to the time of buying a new car, that we need a new car, that instead of going for the fancier model with all the mod cons, that we go for a model that is more standard so that each month we can use that extra money to support a ministry in Peru or Brazil or Turkey or whatever that might be. It could be using our spare rooms in our homes, maybe inviting people when it's COVID-friendly, inviting people to come and to stay who we know are isolated and lonely and really struggling being on our own. It could be fostering, it could be adopting. It could be when we're looking to who to invite round, whether it's to our gardens or our homes when we're allowed, rather than just those that will bless us and our good friends. Maybe it's choosing to invite other people because we know it would be a blessing to them. There are so many ways that we can choose to deny ourselves, to ask, to say to God, not my will, but your will be done because that's what Jesus did. He knew that he was going to be going through something agonizing. He knew that going, sometimes we sanitize this, that he was going to go to the cross and die and be raised again. But the reality is Jesus knew it would be agonizing. He knew that he was going to be tortured, that he was going to be isolated and separated from his father. He knew what was coming. It says that when he was praying before this happened, that he was sweating drops of blood, the, the anguish that he was going through. But he chose, he asked God, if there's any other way this can happen, let this cup pass from me. But then he prayed, but not my will, but your will be done. And that's what it means for us. We're following in the footsteps of Jesus, thinking, not my will, but your will be done. When I was in fifth year at school, um, we had, this was before, I mean, this probably shows my age, you probably all know my age anyway, but this was before the times of computers and homes and smartphones and computers at school even, and there, there was one computer that they were using, and they had this program called Jigcal. And the careers advisors used it. And you would go in 50 and sixth year, and go in and talk about the things that you enjoyed to do, talk about the things that you were good at, and just what you wanted out of life. And it would kind of spit out this thing at you to say what job you should do. And I remember specifically, there's only one thing I remember about saying, and that was that I wanted a nine-to-five job that didn't interfere with my social life. (laughs) Well, about a year after that, I became a Christian. And about two weeks after that, um, God called me to ministry. And, you know, it's a very long story, but you can come and speak to me about that or get in touch with me if you want to know exactly how it happened. But long story short, God called me into ministry of working with spiritual rehabilitation of offenders. And at that time, I knew that that was not a nine-to-five job that didn't interfere with my social life. I felt the burden of it, and I, I knew that it was going to be something that I was doing with my life that would be putting others first. It would be spending time with people whose lives had been so traumatised and they had had so much pain and suffering in their life, and I knew that some of that would be would be on me as well. And I really struggled with it for quite some time, actually. I knew I was gonna to have to leave behind this nine to five job idea if I wanted to follow God into the calling that he had for my life. But we had a choice. I had a choice. I didn't have to do that. But the reality is Jesus says to us that we must deny ourselves if we want to follow him. And for me, it was a no-brainer once I look back on it. But at the time it was not easy. In the story of this same story in the book of Luke. It actually says that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily. This isn't a one-off thing that we choose when we first decide to follow Jesus, but this is something that we have everyday choices, sometimes every week choices, whatever it might be, that's looking at our lives, what we have, and saying, Not my will, but your will. In the day when Jesus was crucified, they had to the person who was being crucified had to carry their cross, a part or part of their cross. Jesus had to carry his full cross. So when he's saying, take up their cross and follow me, for Jesus, that was the physical part of denying himself. And it, was be, it would be what would be like the perp walk, you know, the guilty, the shame, the condemned person walking through the streets, public humiliation. It was a real practical thing that Jesus had to do, and it was not going to be easy. And for us, It might be the practical stuff that are not easy, but it feels like that burden and weight. And it might, for us, feel like that we're on public display. And it might be really uncomfortable. But the reality is that we have these choices every day. And the good thing about it is that we can follow in Jesus' footsteps. We can see and we can have him drawing aside us, close to us, helping us with that. So as we hold our lives, we hold our money, we hold our time, we hold our family and our homes before Jesus each day saying, not my will, but your will be done. What do you want me to do with my stuff today? If I go back to that idea of the splash class, Um, As you probably realize, I didn't learn to swim. Um, I was too busy hanging on to my own life and preserving my own life, what I thought the way to do it was. Um, And I didn't learn to swim. And at the end of the week, to be honest, I was gutted. Every single other person had learned to swim in just a few days, if only I had been able to let go of the side and follow. But not only was I dismayed, my mum and dad were probably thinking, what a waste of money. For me to go along and sit on the side of the pool uh, watching everybody else. And probably the instructor was a bit dismayed as well. You know, what a waste of his time. Or, you know, he'd managed to get everybody else. It's not like he didn't try. Every day he tried something new. But we didn't quite get there. In the book of Luke, in chapter 18, we can read a story about a rich young man who comes and meets with Jesus. And he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they have a conversation about keeping the commandments and living their life in a certain way. And Jesus says to the man, he says, there's still one thing that you need to do. You need to sell everything you own and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad, it said, because he was very wealthy. In one of the other versions in the gospels, it said he walked away dismayed. Now, was he dismayed for the same reason as me, because he thought that actually that was too much to ask? He couldn't do that? Did he walk away dismayed, thinking he's not going to have that eternal life? Or was it because his possessions meant so much to him, but he still managed to follow Jesus? He still managed to do what Jesus had said. He still managed to put in place in what Jesus was talking about, about giving everything away. The reality, friends, is that denying ourselves isn't easy, and there's a cost involved. If we're giving out of something that doesn't really mean anything to us, or something that we don't really need, then it's not denying ourselves, it's just decluttering our lives, or or getting rid of what we don't need. There's a cost. At the beginning of break- break-down? lockdown, last time, the first time, all of the charity shops were shut. It was quite a new thing for everybody. And we had a knock at the door of the church and we were running storehouse that day. And a young man was coming to ask if he could have some help. He showed us his shoes and he had a massive hole in the bottom of his shoe. And through the hole in the shoe, he then had a hole in his sock and his foot was all cut He was in quite a mess, so we gave him a seat and gave him some water and plasters, and he could sort himself out in that way. And we went to check, because people had been giving us clothes and shoes, and we went to check if we had anything his size. We found socks that we could give him, lovely comfy socks, but no shoes in his size. And as we were on the way to the door, one of the volunteers actually were like, well, I've got the same size feet as him. And he took off his own New Balance trainers and he gave it to the man at the door. Now this man, um, this volunteer, didn't know the guy at the door. And in fact, those trainers that he took off, he'd only had one week, one week's um, wear out of. Now he could have said, wait here, for half an hour I'm going to nip home and get my old pair of trainers or I'm going to get some other kind of shoes that I don't really need. But he didn't do that. He took off his new balance trainers, his new new balance trainers, and he gave them to this man. Now that, for me, is denying himself. Something that gave at a cost. It was a cost to him. He'd chosen them for himself, but he gave them away. Denial isn't easy, but it's a cost. And you know, temptation will come. It did for Jesus and it will for us. And for Jesus, it came in the the kind of form of Peter, one of his closest followers. And actually, Peter, a few verses previous to this, we read that Peter, when Jesus was asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter was the one that was the spokesperson. And he said to Jesus, he said that you are the Messiah. You are the Christ You know, and now here he is saying to Jesus, no, you don't need to go through this. Never is this going to happen. Peter knew who Jesus was, yet the temptation came through Peter. And Jesus recognized the temptation. He knew exactly what it was. He'd seen it before. He'd seen it before um, as he was preparing for his ministry a a few years previously to this, as he spent time in spiritual preparation with God in the wilderness. The devil came to him and tempted him in a number of ways. But one of them was he took him to a high point and he showed him all the kingdoms. And he said, just bow down and worship me and you can have all of this. And Jesus obviously said, no, I'm not going to worship anybody but the Lord or God. But this was the same root of temptation. Peter was kind of um, feeding into that that anguish that Jesus knew that he was going to have to go through something difficult and it wasn't easy. And this, his close follower, was kind of feeding into that a little bit in a way that you can have the kingdom of Jesus. You can do what you want. You don't need to go to the cross. And Peter is told, obviously, well, he's called Satan, isn't he? But Jesus knows. He's not speaking to Peter himself, but he's speaking to the one who is tempting him through Peter. Get behind me. You don't know the concerns of God, just human concerns. A while back, um, about 15 years ago, I had already been in ministry for 10 years, and it hadn't been as bad as I had thought it was going to be. But something happened, and one of the men that we were um, supporting in and out of prison um, actually passed away. And it was a time that I, it was the first time I felt just like, maybe maybe I've done the wrong thing. Maybe I could just go back to that idea of having a life that pleased myself. This is too much for me to bear. And the, the thing was, at that time, I had some close friends, godly friends at that time. Well, they still are godly friends, but at that time they were really close to me. And they had the suggestion, as I was going through that really difficult time, because this man we'd been supporting, we'd been so involved in his life, he was a broken man. He had suffered so much neglect and pain as a child, and that had followed him into adulthood. And he had come to know Jesus, and we had walked really closely with him. And when he passed away, it was so difficult. And what my friends said to me, out of human concern and no ill malice at all, but what they did was they fed into that idea that I just wanted to leave it all behind and go away. And and I recognized that it wasn't what God was wanting me to do because the reality is when God calls us, he gives us everything we need. And he'd given me everything that I needed in that time. The reality is, 25 years of ministry, I've never been burnt out because God would never allow that to happen. He's given everything we needed. If we work through our lives, but not our will, but God's will, then he does amazing things. And so my friends didn't mean me any harm when they were saying, well, maybe you need to step back, you know, take time off. And, and I'm not saying that that is wrong for anybody to do. I'm talking about my situation in particular what they were having in their heart was human concern for me. But what I was trying to see past of that was what God's concern was. And the fact is, God had put me in a position where I was pastoring other people. It wasn't only me that was going through a difficult time, but there were so many people that were close to this man that needed me to be there for them, to be their pastor and to help and support them through. And the reality was that God was giving me everything that I needed to do that as well. I just needed to keep his concerns at the forefront and focus rather than um, human concerns. Now Peter also, like my friends, didn't mean any harm. Peter meant no harm to Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. He didn't want to see him go through this difficult time. But Jesus recognized the devil's tactics to offer the kingdoms without a cross. And the, and, you know, the reality is that the devil uses the same tactics Tactics today in tempting us. He offers us everything without the denial, but the reality is the kingdom of God, the kingdom where Jesus is the King, required a cross. And for us, what that signifies is dying to ourselves, to to deny ourselves, our selfish ambitions, our selfish plans, taking ourselves from the centre of our life and putting. Jesus in that place that is what following Jesus and and anything else anything less is not the kingdom of God if we're looking for the promise of health and wealth and prosperity and that without the denial of ourselves Jesus says that if we want to follow him we must deny ourselves to take up our cross and follow him We need to be careful that we recognize, first of all, how the devil is tempting us, but also maybe watch out that we are not the ones who are doing the tempting. I know that for many times I've had to really check myself because we're all called to give up and to deny ourselves in different ways. So let's make sure that we are not um, being the mouthpiece for one that maybe would take their eyes off godly concerns, but let's look at actually what God is saying in each and every situation, not just having one size fits all. So um, you know that I can't swim, but I have friends in California who have a pool, and I go and stay with them sometimes, and we go to the pool, and over the years I have learned to make it look like I'm in control and I can swim just without the swimming bit. And so I don't look like the panicked little child that was there, you know, I kind of just like float about. I've got this funny little doggy paddle thing that keeps me afloat. I can't really get anywhere with any speed, but I think it looks pretty refined and good. But anyway, I was in the pool, and she has three boys, and they can all swim. And she had taken her youngest one off to the toilet and had left me. And so I was at the deep end at this point. That's how um, good I was looking like I could do what I swim or whatever. So I'm hanging on to the side as I needed to do. And their other two boys decided to jump in and come and speak to me. They had been playing at the other side. And they could swim fine, but they had these big inflatables on. And as they jumped in, they knocked my hand off the side. And then I was starting to like swim away from them or like paddle my feet to get away from them and not kick them out the way, but kind of kick them out the way. They could swim fine. I couldn't. And so as they were doing that, they were strong swimmers, they were coming towards me, and I was saying to them, I can't swim, leave me alone. And they thought this was a joke, because what adult could not swim? They had never met an adult that couldn't swim before. And I had never felt so panicked. And never had I thought so much like, why did I not learn to swim way back then? You know, I was holding on to trying to the comfort and the preserving of life as a child, but everything that I was holding on to, I was losing at this point. I felt like I was going to drown, and thankfully my friend came out and got them off me and told them to leave me alone. Um, but I was so panicked at that point. Never before had I regretted not being able to swim as much as I did then. The very thing... That I was trying to save myself from way back then was the thing that was going to lose me my life at this point, I felt. And Jesus says in verse 25, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You know, my friends, there's a reward in the cost. We find life in its fullness. As we follow Jesus, as we deny ourselves, John 10 says that we find life in all its fullness, we find joy. In the book of Philippians, Paul writes this, he says, even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering by the sacrifice and service that he gives, he's given his all. He says that he is glad and rejoices. And we find blessing, all the blessings that come from a life walking closely with Jesus. And we don't do it for the reward, but the reality is that as we spend ourselves on behalf of God, we have those rewards. Paul writes in the book of Romans that we have to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus. He recognized godly concerns and he left behind human concerns and he's inviting us, you and I, to follow him in that. So let's fix our eyes on him. Let's deny ourselves and follow wherever that may lead us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that even after thousands of years, it is still so relevant to our lives. And Lord, I pray that each of us, as we consider your words today, and as we consider what that means to each of our lives, as we Consider what we have and what it looks like to deny ourselves to follow you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage. Lord, I pray that we would know your leading, that we would know your direction, and we would know your calling in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.